0: They give Stephen Adams Adams some. Wow! wow. The one-hander from half court. Wow! I was gonna say that's the second percentage buster that they've given him. Wow! The big man.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to Birdwatch. I am Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for noel.com and The Advocate, here on Tuesday morning with Jeff Nowak. Hey, y'all. That was an insane week. <laughs> I mean, unquestionably the craziest week you know since I've been on the beat. Probably one of the craziest you know single weeks in Pelicans, Hornets franchise history. There was a trade. I've been calling it a mega deal. You know, <laughs> four teams. New Orleans, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, and Denver. It lasted nearly a week. It involved players, picks, pick swaps. There were trade kickers. I'm still not sure I fully wrapped my brain around what the hell just happened. Like, I didn't know you could do that in a trade. Uh, But here we are, and the Pelicans have sent Drew Holiday to the Milwaukee Bucks. They've gotten back two starters, Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, on multi-year deals. They received Unprotected first in 2025 and 2027, which who knows what the world looks like then. <laughs> they got a pickle, couple of pick swaps thrown in too. Um, now that the dust has settled a little bit, just what were your thoughts on the mega deal? I'm only going to call it a mega deal, by the way. Uh, how like trade apocalypse? Trade puck gloves
0: pretty good. It's like it's it's still hurricane season in Louisiana, and it kind of felt like like <laughs> you you know yeah you're in the cone and it's just getting closer and closer and just like oh no <laughs> what's gonna happen is it gonna <laughs> is there gonna be one pick is it gonna be seven are they gonna actually keep George Hill they didn't which I'm disappointed in because I like George Hill uh, but yeah it just the way the way NBA trades materialize is always is always crazy because it's like you you know you get that tweet from Shams and then that tweet from Waj, one or the other and like within thirty seconds and then it's like oh future draft picks what's that gonna be and that's just like throughout the day it just builds and builds and builds until you have this just just menagerie of assets they're trying to sort through but you know I I mean I obviously was here last year for all the Anthony Davis madness and somehow that was simpler I don't know how. But that, that deal just felt like it, it came together a lot more quickly. But I'm going to be honest, at the end of the day, I'm not sure that they did significantly better for Anthony Davis than they did for Drew Holiday. I mean, obviously, Brandon Ingram was the best player in that trade, and you got the four. But just in terms of w- what you had to manage with this current setup <laughs> with the NBA right now, and you basically had a two-day window, to get this trade kind of sorted out before draft day. Um, and they were able to move the pick that they got at 24 for a future pick. I mean, the Pelicans, you, know, you never want to be the team that, that has to give up a, a franchise player or two. Uh, but I'm not sure you could have done much better than they, than they did this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing you can say about David Griffin and you know, the job he's done in this first year and a half in New Orleans, that guy can trade a star. I mean, he's great at just, like, you know, playing the market and recognizing the teams who, you know, desperately need to make a deal. I mean, I think, you know, what they got back for Drew Holiday was way more than anybody I saw in the media speculating about. Like, the Pelicans got a a freaking haul. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that they would get back this much. I mean, I was impressed. Griff is just really good at that aspect of the job, and you know, he kind of exploited Milwaukee because they're in this position where, well, we have to upgrade our roster. Or, you know, we're potentially at risk of, like, losing this once-in-a-generation talent. I guess we'll see what happens with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Super Max. But, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think, you know, the phrase that, that David Griffin has used throughout this offseason is sustainable and sustainability. And, you know, I think what he's done now is, another attempt to thread the needle. Like they're going to try to be, you know, one of those teams who gets the seventh, eighth playoff spots. Like this is definitely a roster who can, you know, compete for that play in tournament. And they're really set up to continue to add pieces around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram as they get farther um, into their careers and closer to their primes. And I think they have the assets too, to, to swing for that third star when he becomes available. Um, so yeah, this was about sustainability um, and man, Griff, Griff just got back a lot. Like it was, it was crazy just how much bigger
0: the return pieces were than anything you'd seen speculated about. Yeah, and if you want to compare them to a team, I, I talk about the Celtics a lot. A group in New England, but that's the team that you have to look at in terms of they are able to compete and have assets at the same time. They had three first round picks this year after going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in three years, and they lost. But uh, like that's the that's the team that the Pelicans are setting themselves up to be. They have the young star players that they think are going to become superstars. They have first round picks, multiple first round picks basically every year. I think uh, next year might be the only one they don't because they'll probably, you know, the first rounder from the Lakers is top eight protected on the Pelican side. So unless it's in the top eight, they don't get it until 2022. Uh, But who knows? They'll probably make a trade before then. Um, (laughs) But that's, you know, that's the sustainability that you look at where, they were looking to trade up this year and they said no one was picking up their phones when they were on the clock uh and it's like that's always a thing you have to consider it's like there isn't always a trade to be found and that's why the fact that david griffin was able to find this deal is is you know credit to him and credit to the organization uh but i don't think that they traded for the 24 thinking oh we're gonna make a pick at 24. they traded for the 24 thinking hey we can package this and move up and once they couldn't move up i think they were always looking to trade the 24 it wasn't matter who was there it was just hey we're going to do this again next year and the year after. So we're going to move that pick, and next year we're going to see what happens again. Because they can only have so many players on the roster. <laughs> like, you can't yeah. just make five picks every year and hope that you keep them. Uh, so, I mean, I just... As frustrating as it was to see them make a pick and then react to it instantly, and be like, oh, I like Nick Richards. And then uh, in 30 seconds later, he's a member of the Hornets. As the Jets fly overhead. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> That's what you have to do as a small market. You have to keep those assets and, and find a way to build your team uh, organically um, and then be aggressive when you get opportunities. So as far as, you know, particulars of
1: those future assets go, I was shocked that they got unprotected first, you know, that far into the future. And, you know, just just like the length of time those picks are away from now, I think is what makes them interesting. They got unprotected from Milwaukee in 2025 and 2027. I mean, even if Giannis Antetokounmpo signs the five-year Supermax, that deal will expire at the summer of 2026. So, like the the 2027, I mean, you know, that's that's forever from now. Like that could right. that could be you know a really good pick, and will I think is really interesting. You know, the one they have from LA that they can defer to 2025 is really interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance that, you know, in the future, a combination of that stuff and some players is enough to go get, you know, potentially a third star, but that's in the future. Um, let's like, let's talk about the team that they have now and are going to put on the floor in the 2020-2021 season. Um, Steven Adams, that was a guy, you know, they clearly targeted throughout this whole thing. Um you know, he only had one year remaining on his contract on Monday. They extended him for two more years. So we're going to be looking at a Zion-Steven Adams front court for probably, you know, the next three seasons, um, you know, barring a, another trade or anything like that. You know, I've seen kind of mixed reaction on this. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, this isn't the cleanest fit offensively. And I get all that. You know, you're devoting a lot of resources to center when potentially... You know, Zion can slide slide over and, like, play that position of 10, 15 minutes himself per night. Um, all that said, you know, I still think it, it was a good pickup. Like, the Pelicans are going to have this, like, bully ball, sledgehammer identity for the next couple of years. I think Steven Adams will help you immediately on the defensive end. I mean, I just think, you know, he's just a much better player uh, at this stage of his career than, than Derek Favors and i think you could also depend on him to just be in the lineup a lot more like that's one of the underrated things i've i think about him that i haven't seen a lot of people say is like this guy's played for 7 seasons he's still fairly young 27 years old you know he's played 80 games 4 times in his career uh the most games he's missed in a season is 12 so like you just know he's going to be in the lineup you know night in and night out um you know i might not love the move but i like it and I
0: can understand why he, he they did it. Uh, yeah, for for a team that just hired a coach that you know wants you to build an expletive wall, <laughs> going to get a literal wall is probably uh, is probably a good move. And you know one of the biggest criticisms I've had of this team is they just they've been soft. They're a soft defensive team, or they have been, uh, and especially especially on the interior. You know, Derek Favors is a is a fine player, but he just didn't have the defensive impact in enough games to really uh, make you feel like they had a chance <laughs> against teams that were really going to, you know, pressure you in the paint. And that, that, that showed itself in games against the Bucs and games against the Lakers where you could not stop Giannis. You could not stop LeBron, could not stop AD. And he's a guy who is going to be that elite rim protector that they just haven't had. And, you know, Jackson Hayes is a nice prospect. He's got, I think he has a, good ceiling on him but he's not that guy right now and I think that your team always benefits from adding a just really hard-nosed defensive player it's the same same reason I enjoyed when they added Tony Allen just to teach so that team just got an edge um, a few years back and uh, that's what Steven Adams brings plus he has that half court shot put form that they can utilize (laughs) uh, in key moments uh, that that was one of my favorite highlights of the season, so I hope that shimmy comes back at some point. Yeah, fun
1: fact, that was the only three-pointer Stephen Adams has ever made in his career. That three-quarters court heave against the Pelicans last season, that was a hell of a shot. Uh, that
0: was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in person. Um, but yeah, I mean... Oh wait, like, before we go on, I, ha- I have one bit of Stephen Adams' trivia, which is he has like 17 brothers and sisters, which is crazy. Yeah, one of uh, 18. Yeah, and so the the shot put form and I call it a shot put because his one of his sisters is an Olympic shot putter. And uh, I've always wanted to ask him if if uh, that's where he got that form from <laughs> anyway. That was the funny thing is that was one of my hi- highlight moments from the Pelican season and it went against them. <laughs> so it's uh, cuz I've always loved Stephen Adams. So it's nice to be able to, to to have him on the uh, the home team.
1: I don't know in New Zealand, like, you know, obviously we play backyard football here. I don't know if they play, like, backyard rugby there. But <laughs> if they do, I would not want to have to go up against the Adams. Like, they're they're probably undefeated in backyard rugby. Those yeah. are, That's just a large family.
0: Yeah, it's a different kind of Adams family. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, even even the women will. I mean, I I wouldn't want to have to, you know, I wouldn't want to have to deal with them. It'd be tough. They'll hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I, you know, Stephen Adams is a guy who is just kind of like the ultimate dirty work guy. I mean, probably the best screen setter in the game. Like, there are YouTube compli- compli- compilations of him just absolutely flattening people. There is that video of Jimmy Butler, like, being asked about screen by Stephen Adams, and he was like, that mf is strong. And then he gives, like, a one-minute answer. I mean, yeah, he is just, like, a Redwood of a human being. <laughs> and I, you know... I, I like the pairing between him and Zion Williamson, even if, yeah, whatever, like the spacing isn't perfect on the offensive end. Um, you know, preventing shots at the rim is really important to the success that Stan Van Gundy has had as a coach. And I think that's like one area where immediately Stephen Adams will help. Like, just look at his numbers on cleaning the glass. Like, Thunder opponents always got, you know, fewer shots at the rim when Stephen Adams was on the floor. So, I think that's one area he can help in particular. Um, and then Eric Bledsoe, too. Like, the guy's gotten a bad rap over the years because, look, he's just come up short in the playoffs, and that's kind of deserved. Like, he's been bad in the playoffs for Milwaukee, but I still think, you know, he's a nice regular season player. I mean, he's a guy who can play defense. He's made a couple all defensive teams. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who can just be a starter for you night in and night out.
0: League average, maybe slightly above that, but. It's not like he's a bad player. No, and and he's a he's a plus defender, and that's something that you lost a lot of with trading Drew Holiday. And you get he's at least a uh, an aggressive defender, an aggressive perimeter defender, and he's going to be able to pressure people on the ball. And that's something that you don't have a ton of anymore um, from the guard positions. JJ Reddick, as great of a shooter he is, he's not going to put any pressure on you from the guard spot defensively. And uh, Alonzo Ball, you know, he can't play forty minutes, forty eight minutes, so. I, I think that if it comes down to, okay, what, where are we kind of gaining the value from that $17 million contract there they are now tied to, you know, I think that's an important part of it. And he's, he's a guy who can, you know, he's a blur with the ball and he can go get a bucket whenever he needs to. And I think that's something, you know, creating your own shot is a talent in and of itself in the NBA. And I think that having someone who you trust to do that is important. I've never been a huge Eric Bledsoe fan personally. I think his his game at the point guard spot is really limited, but you know, as a as a scorer in the in a second unit, where the Pelicans struggle just to to find consistent offense, you know, I, I can't say that it's got, I think it's going to hurt them in that group. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate him if they run any sets with him and Lonzo Ball because the the shooting there is going to be a big question mark. Do you remember what Bledsoe's nickname
1: used to be, like Drew, way back in the day? No, I don't. <laughs> Uh, mini LeBron. Who said that? Uh, I, I haven't like tracked down the official people that said that, but yeah, I, I remember hearing that like kind of before the Milwaukee days when he was in Phoenix, I mean, six foot three. When he was at the hair salon. uh, That was before the hair salon. days. (laughs) That's kind of when the nickname started to fade away. But I mean, for a guy who's like, you know, six, two, six, three or whatever, like he's a beast. I mean, extremely athletic, physical, well-built, like,
0: Yes. Yeah, he's built like a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He looks like a football player. The Pelicans have a few guys in the roster now who
0: look right. like football players, by the <laughs> yeah. way. The flag football, the Pelicans flag football team uh, will be tough to handle.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you just like saw the their starting five on the street, you're like, okay, Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are, like basketball players for sure. But if you saw like Bledsoe, Zion Williamson, and Steven Adams, you'd think football or rugby, right? Right. Two blockers and a running back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be their identity. You know, I think this season in the coming years, it's, it's going to be bully ball. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, they just don't have a lot of wings. Like the league is becoming more perimeter oriented and they're kind of just going against the grain. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, how effective you can be doing that. I mean, I'm not that worried about it in the regular season. Like part of, part of the reason I'm, I'm not like really you know anti this move or anything like that it's like you you just want to like win some game you know stack together some regular season wins like get to the playoffs get Zion and bi you know some postseason experience and then two or three years from now you know you have the flexibility to hopefully kind of retool the roster and then you can i think start making a start thinking about making some deep playoff runs
0: I mean, it kind of does feel similar to the roster, and it's this is something I don't say lightly. It kind of feels similar to the roster that was constructed for Stan in Detroit, right? Where you had Andre Drummond, you brought in Blake Griffin, and so you had this really, really powerful interior lineup, and just not a ton of not a ton of wings, but you got more guards than you know what to do with, <laughs> especially with Kyra Lewis uh, as that, that on, the lone rookie on the roster. I'm curious what your opinions are of Kyra, the 19-year-old. We have another teenager this year to talk about.
1: Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I think I was on the record that, um, you know, before the draft, that he was one of the two guys I, I liked at that 13 spot. Um, you know, going in, my kind of take on it was if Devin Vassell is there, you know, definitely grab him. I didn't think that Tyrese Halliburton would fall as far as he did. And I think if, you know, he had gotten to 13, that would have been an extremely interesting decision to make, but he went twelfth to the Sacramento Kings, um, and I think that made the Pelicans' decision a little bit easier. Um, you know, the Kyron Lewis Jr. move was best player available. I mean, I, the Pelicans obviously understand that they have just a glut of guards. This was this was a chance to gamble on somebody who they think could be special. It was a play on upside. I just think he has a chance to be successful. Um, you know, he's super young, like he played two seasons at Alabama, but he might as well be a one and done guy. Right. Um, and I, I, like, I just really believe in that speed. Like I heard Ty Lawson say one time that he was never even looking at his defender. Like he was looking at all the defenders behind his defender. Cause he knew like I can blow my, by my guy at any time. Like Carlos jr. Has that type of speed to me. Like it, it really just, you know, pops in, in like any Alabama game you watch. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, and I think there's just a really nice foundation there with that. I mean, it's not like he has a bad jumper either. Like I, th- I think the form looks fine, knocked it down 37%. So, yeah, I mean, I, he's a guy I believe in for sure. I,
0: I really like the pick. Yeah, and I mean, the speed and the jumper go kind of hand in hand because, you know, when you have that kind of blow by speed, that elite top end speed, you're going to get a little more space because they're not going to play up on you as tight knowing that you can go by them. Um, so it's more about the form than than the percentage, I think, at this point. But no, when I I haven't, I'm sure I haven't watched as much Cairo uh, film as you. But in the what I have watched, you know, obviously that speed is there and you see it. But what impressed me more about Cairo was how he used the speed. It wasn't like Eric Budso, one of my criticisms is he always is going 100 miles an hour all the time. He he gets out of control. He gets a lot of charges. It he doesn't seem to have kind of that you know especially early in his career that kind of understanding of when to turn it on you know when to when to use that change up to set up your fastball to make your 95 mile an hour fastball look like a 100 mile an hour fastball that they can't even touch they can't get the bat up their shoulder and that's what I saw from him a lot more than I expected to see at the college level because you didn't really need to do that at the college level but he he seems to understand how to be patient how to set up defenders how to work off the ball and, and make back cuts and I think that's to me, that's the most impressive thing with a with a nineteen year old who knows he has that speed to also have that understanding of how to use it.
1: Yeah, um, I think you know one of the other things that is attractive about him coming here is he wanted to be in New Orleans. Um, you know, everything you hear was that he viewed this as a great fit. Um, you know, he's a Southern kid from a small town in Alabama, um, and I think you know the Pelicans, even though they did get a lot bigger with Stephen Adams, like. They're still gonna run and play up tempo a lot of the time, like you know, slide Zion over to to center some, and even if Adams is in the game, that doesn't mean you you know you can't get out on the break. Like Kyler Lewis Jr. I mean was kind of the guy who was, you know, guiding an Alabama offense that finished fourth in the nation in pace. Like he loves to play fast, he loves to play up tempo. So, you know, I actually think that long term, like he could be a fit next to Alonzo Ball, even though both of them, you know. You might label them as point guards, but like, you know, I think both of them can get out on the break. Like Lonzo is is probably the better, you know, passer in full court situations. Kyra is maybe the guy who could take over on the ball a little more in half court situations. Um, but I just think it makes a lot of sense, you know, stylistically and the fact that he wanted to be here. So yeah, I, I thought it was a really good fit. I mean, the other guy who I kind of said I thought would work, you know, I would want just... Me personally, you know, the dumb local beat writer was uh, Aaron Neesmith. He won 14th to Boston. You know, he'd have given you some depth on the wing. Um, fantastic shooter. But, yeah, I mean, they got one of the two guys I was I was taking a look at.
0: And, I mean, I, I really do believe in Kyra. I was watching Vassell drop uh, thinking, oh, maybe he'll get there. Maybe he'll get there. But it was funny because the three players that I uh, thought that one of them was going to end up on the Pelicans one, well, you know, 11, 12, 13. And uh, I don't think any of them were disappointed with the, the players they got. I think if you kind of, if you just put them in like a tumbler and flip the, the three to the three different teams, I think all three teams would still be happy. And maybe even Boston at 14, you could probably throw Neesmith in there too. Uh, I think that was a steal for them, uh, for a team that really needs that wing shooting. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I can't imagine the Pelicans are disappointed with how the draft went for them. Uh, but yeah, you do have to question where do they get that shooting from. I. I, I don't know. Is Alonzo going to be able to continue kind of improving his consistency, or does he revert? I don't know. I, I. I'd like to think that it'll. It'll kind of keep that trend line up. You know, Josh Hart is a guy who he was a good shooter at times, and then he also got like the worst, worst slumps you'll ever see. Uh, so, you know, I think there, there are a lot of question marks and if the shooting isn't there, then that Steven Adams, Zion pairing becomes a lot more difficult to manage because, you know, I, I think Zion's a guy who, if he doesn't start to extend his rage in his second year, you have to start asking questions about that and whether that's successful or not. That's another, that's another issue, but there are, there are scenarios where this offense has a really hard time getting on going with the defense able to pack the paint uh, and, and not extend to shooters that they don't, that they're not afraid of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like in today's NBA, you know, especially come playoff time and, you know, the Pelicans aren't at that point yet. You worry when you have two non-shooters on the floor. I mean, I don't know what the word is when you have three non-shooters on the floor, but like more than worry. So, yeah, I mean, I think definitely, you know, Stan will have to construct the lineups in a way to where like you always have, Three guys who are three point threats when when Zion and uh, Steven Adams are on the floor together. But let's just talk about this funky roster because they are just they're loaded with guards and you know pretty lacking on the wings right now. Um, you know besides Alonzo and Eric Bledsoe, you got J.J. Redick off the bench. You got Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyra competing for backup point guard minutes. Um, Josh Hart is six foot five. He's a really good rebounder. You know, played up a lot in position last year. I don't know whether you want to classify him as a guard or a wing uh, on this team. The uh, way it's set up, right. he's going to be more of a... On this roster, team. he's a wing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the Pelicans have Brandon Ingram uh, once he re That's your starter. And then after that, Josh Hart, Sundarius Thornwell, I guess. And, you know, Najee Marshall. They signed out of Xavier, a two-way guy. Like, who is going to guard... The LeBrons, the Lucas, the Jason Tatums, the Jalen Browns. Mini LeBron. <laughs> Come what, on, man. What if we cloned Eric Bledsoe and stacked them on top of
0: each other and put a trench coat? <laughs> like you know, like a space jam? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the funny thing, you know, I'm making a joke there that, that might be the best matchup when you look at the players they have. Uh, at least he's a, a strong guy. And that's, but no, that, that's going to be an issue uh, because you're, you know, you, Diane Williams is listed at power forward, but he's not, I, I don't think you're going to match him up with a little Giannis honest, you know? So, I mean, although yeah, he, yeah, he, he looks can... trim in that gas station photo. if you <laughs> Want to get on that train again? Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a question mark. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, you're, I, I, yeah. Wenyon? I like Wenyon. For a guy too, you just added, just to kind of pluck on the end of the roster, you know he's a guy who you can throw out there. He's an he's a very good athlete and yeah, he's more than willing to foul. So maybe he's a guy you you, uh, you throw out there as the sacrificial lamb of sorts to try to try to slow down LeBron because you don't want to have to be Josh Hart every night. I think you actually might be right. Like we might see
1: Wenyun Gabriel guarding like star wings way more than anybody anticipated this season because of the way this roster is set up. Like Josh Hart is gonna just take a beating. Like, he's almost always going to be guarding bigger dudes. Like, they're going to need him to rebound. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram is really going to need to commit on the defensive end this year. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest expectations that's going to come with this new deal is he has to be a two-way player. I mean, the Pelicans kind of hit him at times last season. Like, uh, made it a lot of strides in the offensive end, obviously. Legit three-level score. The next step for him is really buying in on defense. Like, the Pelicans need them to be able to match up with some of those star wings because they just don't have a lot behind them. It's just, it's just a funky roster. I mean, you know, the way the NBA is going, it's all about like you know, big players with skill. Um, a lot of like those six foot five through six foot eight types who can do a lot of different things. And the Pelicans just don't have many of those dudes. I mean, it doesn't mean they
0: can't be good and competitive, but it's just a weird lopsided roster. The the Brandon Ingram's defense has always kind of confused me because you think a guy who's got like twelve foot wingspan could at least be a hassle. The same way Durant. You know, Durant has never been a great defender, but he's shown that when he's engaged, he can be. Uh and and I think that's you know, when you're when you're kind of rail thin like that, when you're I think as Shamit put it uh, in our last episode, a bean pole, uh like that's going always going to be a difficulty for you in terms of just holding up throughout the course of a game, but you need to be able to turn it on when you, when, when you're in that matchup and you need to stop. And that's what you haven't seen uh, from him. The most glaring example of that was late in the jazz game and the opener in the bubble. Uh, and he just got kind of put in the blender late in that game. Um, and, you can't have that can't happen you know and and you have this elite length at that position where from the perimeter you should be able to have an impact and he needs to and that's where you really need to see that improvement in year two with the pelicans where you got what you needed offensively now you need it defensively like you said i mean i think you're exactly right i mean when you're built like that there's no reason you shouldn't
1: be at least like average on the defensive end um i mean i think what 7 foot 3, 7 foot 4 wingspan, something like that. Um it goes on forever. I mean his biggest issue just seems like it's focused to me a, a lot of times. Like he just kind of has like these mental lapses where it's like you just let a guy like cut right in front of you and they pass it to him and they got a layup. Um right. like I see him compete when he's on ball. Um I think most of the time like to me it seems like most of his issues on that end are like when he's off ball, like he just lets guys like get behind them. It just seems kind of like a focus issue to me.
0: Right. He's got the wingspan of an actual Pelican. Issue. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's, I think there's a lot of technique that can be cleaned up and there's in, like you said, focus, making sure the rotations are right, understanding where your help is coming from. Um, and, you know, it, that the problem, that was one of the issues with Alvin Gentry's system is that it emphasized speed. It emphasized getting out on the, the break, and it didn't always emphasize fundamental basketball. And uh, I'm hopeful that with with Stan, who's basically, you know, just a through and through teacher of the game, uh, that you start to see that growth where guys seem to understand where they're supposed to be, understand what they're doing, understand understand every level of the defensive scheme, and uh, that can only benefit Brandon Ingram uh, if that if that starts to show up. Minor
1: move the Pelicans made this week. They signed Willie Hernan Gomez, uh, <laughs> the brother of Juancho Hernan Gomez, a player I know well. Um, I thought this was good. I mean, I think they needed somebody to compete for those backup center minutes and, like, honestly put a little bit of pressure on Jackson Hayes where, you know, if you're not doing what you need to do, then, like, you're just not going to play. I mean,
0: it was, it was a little bit
1: shocking to me that, like, I mean, Jackson was just a better option at – you know, 19 years old and like having no idea how to play basketball than Jahlil Okafor with those backup minutes last year. But I'm glad they had that that third guy to to push Jacks a little bit. I think this also makes me the only NBA beat writer who's covered both Hernan Gomez brothers. I feel like this is some
0: <laughs> sort of career achievement. I could not tell you which is which. I'm not going to lie to you. I know there's a Willie and a Wancho. I I seem to recall Wancho being a uh, bit no. I'm already confusing myself. Which one of the Pelicans? Well, they just- have Willie. Yes, Willie is is a bit bigger from my memory. He's a bit stronger. He's more of an interior player. And uh, I, I want to say I watched him when he was on the Hornets for a little bit, and he, I was always impressed with you know his his skills in in the paint in terms of on the on the offensive glass. Uh, he seems to have he seems to be more polished than I expected from a guy who doesn't really play that much. Um, so I, I don't know maybe. Maybe he's a guy who can uh, who can work in there. I, I'm fascinated by what you can see in terms of growth from Jackson Hayes. It's funny because normally you'd be like, "Oh, he had an entire offseason to bulk up." It's like it feels like the season just ended like 12 minutes ago. Uh, training camp starts in what two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> so who the hell knows? He could look exactly the same, but yeah, I honestly i I am so so completely just. I'm unsure on what to expect for the rookies from last year, from Michael and Jackson specifically. Yeah. Well, if you ever need clarification on the Hernan Gomez,
1: or if anybody <laughs> out there uh, in the world needs clarification on the Hernan Gomez, I'm your man. Uh, I'm I'm your resident expert. Um, yeah, Wancho is like a forward. Shoots threes. Willie is is not really a threat behind the arc. More of a traditional center. Fun fact: Did you know Wancho Hernan Gomez uh, plays for the Timberwolves now? appeared in an Adam Sandler movie. They shot it during this off season. Just as himself? Yeah, yeah. as him. well, he I actually don't know if he's no, I don't think so, but he's playing like an international prospect who Adam Silver well, Adam Silver. Adam Sandler somehow like discovers uh but it's gonna be a Netflix movie. Interesting. I
0: would pay for the Adam Sandler interpretation of Adam Silver too. <laughs> if we want to throw that out there, throw that in the universe, we will come back. Uh, that's that is funny. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Netflix unfails first look at Everything this new film with Adam Sandler. What is the title? Does it say?
1: Uh, I can't wait. Hustle. To oh, it's called Hustle.
0: Yeah, which is which sounds like the sequel to uh, Uncut Gems, except uh, if we maybe it's a prequel. That would make sense. Anyway. Oh, man. I love that Adam Sandler has got to this
1: point where he's just like, yep, doing a, doing a movie with another NBA
0: player. What's, what's, what's next, Adam? Netflix asks. Eh, what NBA players you got? Oh, I'll take that one. What's his name? Wancho? Yeah, good. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Wancho has an
0: incredible amount of charisma. I was not
1: that surprised when uh, the news came down. Um it's it's a light in the terrible year that has been twenty twenty for me. I mean I am I am counting down the days till I can fire up, you know, launcher Hernan Gomez and, and Adam Sandler my Netflix account.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. And hey, it's almost twenty twenty one, so Rock on. <laughs>
1: rock on.
0: Took it away. He's got Ian Clark. And he's Nobody there. Corner three
1: AD. Oh, oh. Jeff, I wanna spend this last part talking about Drew Holiday. Um, you mean pining for <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um, I obviously only covered uh, one year of Drew in New Orleans. Um, you know, I kind of had sort of an outsider's perspective on it and then an an insider's at at the very end i did not realize you know the affection that new orleans has for drew holiday and just what he means to this community i mean you could really see it today um you know after the trade was finalized like the pelicans released a tribute video immediately they didn't wait for you know milwaukee's first game inside the smoothie king center like they had that thing ready to go um you know i think it was deserved like drew holiday um you know was a professional through some pretty tough times here i think he's just i mean a great human being Uh, you know his decision to donate the remainder of his salary during the bubble to support communities of color was one of the coolest most generous things i've ever seen a professional athlete do um You know, when you think back on the
0: Drew Holiday era in New Orleans, just how you kind of remember it by? I mean, he just, he was the guy, right? Like, he's just one of those players, you know, there's always NBA players that um, you you just kind of admire. And the way he, you know, the way he handled the Anthony Davis trade, the way he handled, you know, the lean years and... It's just, it's rare to find that in an NBA player, Um, and it's rare to find a guy who you can really kind of just pin, you know, your franchise on and say, like, this is our guy, you know, and he says the same thing back. You know, they signed him to a Supermax deal, and I don't know if he does, you know, you could have made a very valid argument that that was not a wise move to pay him that much money, just based on the player that he is. He's a very, he's a great NBA player. I don't know if he's a Supermax player, but... No one questioned it. Absolutely, no one questioned it. Uh, at least locally, because like he's a guy you want to keep around. He's a guy who has given you everything, so you give him as much as you can. Um, and uh, it's it, he's gone through a lot here. You know, he uh, it's it seems like decades ago. Uh, I want to say it was the twenty seventeen season that he was away from the team with his wife having brain surgery and giving birth to baby Drew, little Drew, which. I think losing, losing uh, Drew Tyler is probably, is probably more damaging to my, uh, my emotions than, <laughs> than anything else. But it, it's, uh, it's re- rare to find a player that identifies with a fan base that much. And I think that just the reaction of, you know, just look at the reaction last year to the reaction this year in terms of the player leaving town and just the way that the fan base is viewing it. Uh, I think that tells you everything in terms of what he meant to the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about lean times. I mean, one of my favorite like memes that goes around Pelican's Twitter is the starting lineup from like March of 2016. Tony Douglas, Dante Cunningham, Alonzo G, Omar Ashik and Alexis Ajinka. I mean... Ajinsa. Ajinsa. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, I mean, it's just some of the lineups they were they were yeah. throwing out onto the floor like throughout the Drew Holiday era were, I mean... Frankly, like, embarrassing. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis only got to the playoffs twice in their six years together. Yes, some of that is on them. Like, star players in the NBA, they they transcend. Like, that's what makes them star players in the NBA. But, like, man, those rosters from top to bottom were just brutal. I mean, the training staff you know, was not what it needed to be. I just don't know that, like, player a player... As good as Drew Holiday, you know, there are many other ones who, like, last seven years in New Orleans without asking for a trade at some point. Like, I imagine a lot of other players of Drew's caliber, um, after the Anthony Davis trade, you know, him and AD are really good friends. Like, I think a lot of other players in his shoes ask out last summer, too. Like, okay,
0: like, this is run its scores. Right, and he said after the Anthony Davis trade, like, you know... Anthony Davis was the biggest reason that I re-signed here. Uh, and I, at the time, I was thinking, oh, here we go again, right? Like, he's going to ask for a trade. That's what it felt like. Uh, but he didn't. You know, he, he stuck it out. And, you know, whether whether there was more going on behind the scenes and he said, hey, you know, I, I'd like to get a chance at the ring. You don't know that. There's no way to know that. Uh, it didn't leak out if it did happen. Um, and I think that uh, those things leak out in te- Those things are never an accident when they leak out. Uh, but he, he did everything the right way, and we'll always have that photo you tweeted out today of uh, him and Anthony Davis, like, playing against CJ <laughs> McCollum. I, that series, you know, it, if if I had to pick one Drew Holiday memory, it was uh, just those four games against the Blazers in the playoffs. And uh, just watching the futility of a guy who you know is just a supernova, ready to go off in Damian Lloyd at, at every point. And uh, watching him... Just, just gasped for air in that matchup. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget that. It's I've never seen a player that good get locked down that effectively by just in in one matchup. And it wasn't just a one off; like he did it again this year. Uh, at least the players just this year, like it's it, he, his individual like uh, his individual skill set elevated the team's defense so drastically within a group that was just just awful at times uh independently from him so i i it's gonna be tough watching him come back with the bucks it's not gonna be the same as when when they traded Miritich over there and he came back on his bobblehead night that was funny (laughs) they canceled it though i thought they should have just like glued antlers to the top handed him out uh but yeah it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird one like that's gonna be kind of like uh i'm trying to think of a good example of a player going back where the fan base still loves him uh Maybe Isaiah Thomas, when he came back with the Nuggets to Boston, you might be able to think of something. I can't think of many. Well, do you think the reaction will be a little bit different than when Anthony Davis came back? Oh, yeah. maybe. You mean like <laughs> like boos, like waves on a beach? Like it was just like like a constant boo, and then when AD, when AD like touched the ball, it was like a 30-foot wave of boos. And then when he missed, it got higher, and then uh, the Falcons had it, and it just kind of like cascaded down. Yeah, I think it would be a slightly different. <laughs> well, except who knows because – there might not be anybody there, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the picture of Juraday
1: pointing at Yusuf Nurkic, which which came, oh, in, Nurkic, that, that's right. which came in that 2018 uh, sweep of Portland in the first round. I threw that one out on Twitter today, and I think I might have gotten more likes from people who are in Denver than in New Orleans. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Yusuf Nurkic is still not the most popular player in Denver, but uh, that's that's another road that we won't go down right now. But I'm extremely excited to get to watch some playoff Drew. I mean, I think, you know, the evidence so far suggests like he might be one of those guys who's better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. Um, so I'm excited that he's going to get that chance. I really wish the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing would have gone through because, I mean, I I like love their team when you know they had that piece you know next to Drew next to hopefully a Giannis. Um, I don't, like, love Milwaukee quite as much as now. I mean, I still think they're obviously going to be really good. Um, but, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm rooting for Drew to, like, get to the finals and get a ring. You can, know? I, can I just tell you something that made me like Drew Holiday even more? What's that? Uh, on his basketball reference page, they list three nicknames. Can you guess any of them? Kung Fu Drew? That's one of them. Uh, I don't know the other ones. Uh, Jay Holla. Okay. And the Druth. Oh, I didn't know about the Druth. <laughs> i would never heard any of these, but I'm a fan. Why didn't I know these when he was here? I've been yeah. yelling Kung Fu Drew all day long. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe
1: the Drewth sticks <laughs> <laughs> at his next stop. Where's the Drancer? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's man. pretty bad. Um, so, before we get out of here, let me ask you this. I mean, Milwaukee it seems like they might have a couple of other moves to make, but... Like the way they look right now, I mean, do you think that is a team that's capable of, of getting to the finals? Like, do you think the Drew move kind of like puts them over the top to at least break through in the East? I thought they were over the top
0: last year, so I can't. I kind of did too. I don't think they got worse. Uh, I think I, if you're looking, so from the perspective of you're essentially, you know, replacing Eric Butzo with Drew Holiday, uh, not one for one, but that's kind of the the. Position the style, the minutes that you're instantly upgrading, and yeah, of course. I mean, for a team that like to pack the paint to add the probably the a top three, top five per under defender in the NBA. Yeah, I think uh, I think that puts a team that I would already have said is a favorite to get to the finals uh, even higher. You know, it's it's kind of like you know the Warriors were already the favorite, and then he added Kevin Durant. Obviously, Drew's not Kevin Durant, but uh, it's the same premise. It's like this team already should win, and now they just got. That much better. Um, you know, so yeah. I mean they might win they were on pace to push seventy two wins this year. Uh, and they never got a chance to do it. But, you know, that that might be a target for for what you're looking at. But
1: yeah, I mean I think what they needed was like guys who can create shots for themselves and, and generate offense in the playoffs. I mean, which is just a whole different thing than a regular season. And I think Drew Holiday is is a guy who can do that. I mean He's so strong. He's so fast at six foot four. Like he'll always be able to get his own shot at the rim. And like you know, he's fine as a spot up guy. Like he's not like a dead eye shooter or anything. But no, I, I like that roster a lot. And it was it was just cool like seeing you know the outpouring of support from Switter today for Drew. Um, he he really is just a special guy. And uh, I think that return, that first return game is going to be really fun. For sure. Well, I guess there will probably be like 500 fans in the stands, but
0: uh, maybe the first return game
1: with like a normal amount of fans.
0: Yeah. I'm done making predictions on that front. (laughs) Just doing what they tell me now.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's probably wise. I think that it's pretty smart. Um, So less than two weeks away from training camp. Uh, We're going to get like really ramped up here, which is weird to say and think about. But um, pretty wild week, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon. Thank you for listening. Peace.